Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and Rough Neck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of the USL Championship. Tonight, it's not It's not been good the last couple of weeks, guys. We're going to be talking about another loss, the third in their last four matches. Uh, and maybe not, not necessarily surprising based on the way it went down, but certainly not a great way to, to be ending the season. We're going to be talking to Jared Stroud a little bit later. Uh, it, it, you know, he's in his second year. He's been having a great season, uh, and it, it's nice to to catch up with him as a as a player. It's a good guy to talk to. And we've got two matches to preview for this coming week: the penultimate and the finale of this season. Birmingham Legion FC, the makeup game from earlier in the year, and Loudoun United. Both of these matches coming on the road. Two wins, and maybe the Red Bulls host a playoff game. Two losses, and they definitely will not. Well, I guess (laughs) it's still possible, but it's very unlikely that they would in that case. Joining me tonight, and it's been a little while, uh, I have Joe Steen here with me. Hello, Joe. (laughs) Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm good. I don't know if you even realize, uh, but Anthony hosted the show a couple weeks ago with me. Really? It's true. I I am very surprised. I never <laughs> thought I I never thought I never thought I would see the day. I figured I would wait until we were recording to tell you that. But uh, yeah, yeah, Anthony um, was was on the show. He he helped me do the show the other week when um, we had some availability problems. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I've been <laughs> a uh, pretty busy man these last couple weeks. Um, and uh, the Red Bulls have not been uh, bu- Red Bulls two have not been busy uh, winning the past couple that weeks. Is an understatement have not won since September 13th. They did have a little bit of a gap and then a bunch of games in a row. Uh, but it, it's been really difficult. They've only scored one goal. Uh, well, I guess they've scored three goals in their last three losses, but they all came in the same game or same match against Louisville. They have been shut out or, or just struggled in general through a lot of this stretch, which is surprising because of how well they were doing earlier in the season. I think this match, when you look against uh, North Carolina, we knew that they were going to be tough defensively coming in, but the Red Bulls generated a ton of offense. They had a lot of chances. Uh, well, let's see. What was the uh, the total shot count? I think it was like 26. It was 25 total shots to 14, 6 to 8 on target, uh, including, I mean, Tom Barlow's shot is definitely not counted on target, but he... Uh, beautiful job turning his defender hitting his uh his shot off the post it was just one of those nights where nothing was going to fall their way they had a couple chances early they give up the early penalty which evan loro stops uh but uh ulrich uolo was able to put it in on the follow-up and then north carolina really kind of just absorbed which is not something that i think anybody was surprised about but they were able to just kind of let the Red Bulls pass the ball around, hold possession, look for for chances, and just remain stout enough not to to give up any of those uh, uh, on goal. And in the 50th minute, they get sort of the insurance goal. Robert Christo finishes near post. Nazmi uh, Albadawi uh, with a beautiful cross. And here we are again talking about the Red Bulls and their struggles. And it's surprising because normally we talk about how well this team finishes, um, 
not just in front of goal, but uh, from the end of the season, they usually are picking up steam heading into the playoffs. This year is very different. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a struggle. I mean, in their last five road games, I mean, they've lost four of them. I mean, but they the thing is, they haven't been wanting for chances in a lot of these games. I mean, you know, Andy Eleven, they had plenty of chances to win that game. Didn't unfortunately concede late, and they don't pick up even a result there. St. Louis, they had chances. Louisville, they had chances, but of course their defense really didn't play well that game. And this game, they had chances as well. I mean, I think the biggest problem is just. And Jared Stroud talked about it. They, you know, and uh, and during the uh, during this week before the game, uh, their game, um, that they've had chances and they just haven't been able to finish. And you know, he, they knew North Carolina was just going to sit deep and counter. And uh, you know, unfortunately, they were able to grab a couple goals, but. You, they they're gonna have to. I mean, you can't, especially against good teams like this. When the, and they and a lot of the veteran players on this team know this. When they get to the postseason, they cannot let, let, uh, leave these chances go begging because you know they uh, good teams find ways to beat you. Yeah, and you know that was absolutely the case here. I mean, in that I think it was like in the first thirty seconds they created something like three attempts. Um, okay, maybe not the first 30 seconds. It was in the second minute. Um, but Jared Stroud has a chance. Chris Lima has a chance. It looks like, you know, they've learned from their previous, uh, um, their previous meeting against North Carolina where you had a very similar type game. Um, but that was not the case here. It was, it was definitely frustrating. I'm going to give Evan Laurel a lot of credit. He made some big saves in this match. North Carolina did have a couple more. Um, uh, chances that we did not talk about, but uh, it was just, it was a frustrating night, I think, all around. I think one of the other things to look at, uh, Vincent Bezicourt playing sort of a wide midfielder, but he was tucking underneath. That left a little bit of uh, pressure on Reese, but I don't think that North Carolina really exploited that much. Uh, but somebody has to be the guy that that's sort of opening up the defenses and creating chances. And Chris Lima and uh, or Lema rather and Jean Christophe Kofi did an okay job of that, but it just felt like there was something missing. It might even just be the the duo of Tom Barlow and Matthias Jorensen not necessarily working well with each other up top, uh, because this game reminded me a lot of the 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 game against Indy Eleven where we saw a similar problem where they created so many chances but really struggled to put anything on target. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult when two guys who really haven't played a lot with each other this year are playing up top because, you know, there's, you know, they haven't really had much game time together. So, I mean, there's, there's you know, there's some timing issues, there's some chemistry issues with that. And, you know, both game, you know, the times they've started, they really haven't, you know, put together, you know, a, uh, a big start. But I'm wondering if this is here to stay. Do we see this against Birmingham this week or do they go back to the one striker? Uh, the one up top and the three behind. Uh, I mean, I guess that's up to John Wolniak, but uh, they. I, I would prefer to see the two because I think both of them are very dynamic players. They both, uh, you know, can get in great spaces, and they, you know, like you mentioned, Barlow hit the post. But both of them, you know, know what spaces to get into. They get a lot of chances, and they're both goal scorers. But, you know, you have to wonder if you know we're going to continue to see the two striker formation up top. Well, I still think that one of the reasons that we're seeing it so much right now, uh, besides just getting reps for Matthias and Tom, is that 
down the road, we're going to see this filtered back to the first team again. Uh, we know that they've done the, the two strikers in the past and kind of moved away from it. I think, uh, and, and again, this is sort of like tinfoil hat maybe a little bit, but I think there's going to be a, a big exodus of players from the first team after this season. We're going to see a lot of new blood coming in, and I think the team's going to be built to play a more uh, Salzburg or uh, Leipzig style which generally has the two strikers. I know they can really alter their formation a lot, but I think we're going to see something much closer to that, which is why we're seeing it down here right now. Um, Preston and Jordan, both with sort of bad moments in this match. Uh, I'm not sure if they're a great pairing together. I think we we talked about it before we started recording, but I think not having Sean Nealis on the back line is definitely uh, a negative for this side. And it's not like they can expect him back because of the injury to um, uh, uh, to Amro Tarek on the yes. first team. Yeah, and that's something that's going to have to be, uh, you know, resolved, you know. But, uh, you know, we, we've talked about Preston this year. Uh, at moments, he's looked very good. You know, he's put, you know, he, you know, he likes to challenge, you know, likes to challenge the uh, defense with the or the midfield with those splitting, uh, line splitting passes. But. You know, it really the last couple games. I mean, it just hasn't come off for him and and Jordan. I mean, I think Jordan knows that they're. I think both of them know they're better defenders than that. But you, as you mentioned, and as we talked about before the show, they really are missing Nealis. I wonder maybe if uh, uh, his name escapes me right now. Um, if Boateng actually, if he's fit, this maybe he sees some time in one of these games. Well, we did see him a little tiny bit, but I think I don't know if we're going to see him in extended action. It's certainly not to start, although I guess it's a possibility because you have that quick turnaround and um, both these games are on the road. So it's definitely going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Um, what did you think of uh, of Lemma and, and Kofi in the middle on their own? Because one of the things that I think is fragile about um, playing the two up top is it kind of relies heavily on those guys keeping the back line uh, covered. And I think even though, you know, I, I don't think North Carolina, I think um, attacked with, you know, ferocious, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I'm going to walk it back. I don't think North Carolina (laughs) attacked ferociously or had a lot of like big chances in this match, but they definitely did create some good opportunities. And I think part of that was, was sort of born out of um, the inability to protect the back line. And that's why we saw, you know, John Tolkien maybe getting uh, exposed and out of position a couple of times and, and Jordan failing to track the runner or losing the guy behind him. It just it, it's it's the same problem that we've seen on the first team that if that cover fails in the middle, everything else kind of falls apart. And it might just be a good learn, learning experience for this group, but it, it definitely raises some red flags, I think, ahead of the playoffs. Yeah, especially if they're going to go with this formation. I don't think they played their best game by far. I think they were, you know, like you mentioned, they were exposed a little bit when, you know, trying to protect the back four. And I know Kofi, you know, likes to play that destroyer role, and I don't really think he did too great of a job i think you know again they they've played better when they've had when they played the one up top uh i think it was a little bit more you know they north carolina had a little had a lot more space in the middle to kind of free roam and you know they were able to create chances because of that and you know this again it's a like you mentioned it's a good learning experience for them 
But if they're going to roll with this formation in the playoffs, they're going to have to be aware of runners and just protecting that back four. Yep, fully agree. Okay, let's talk man of the match. Who you got? I'm going to go with Evan Loro. Uh, you talked about it. He he's made he made a bunch of great saves in this game. Uh, I think he's been one of the more improved players. I, I think he continues to improve as the game go as as with each and every game. And I think that, you know, he, again, he had put on another great performance to keep this game from getting out of hand. Okay. I, uh, I think I agree with that. I think I'll, I'll, I'll double down on that. Normally I like to pick somebody else, uh, but I agree. It was Evan Loro that the diving save on the header in the set. I think it was the second half might've still been the first half, uh, was gorgeous. He did a great job stopping that initial penalty. Uh, very unfortunate that they were able to follow that up. But Evan Loro, congrats on an otherwise poor night. You stood out, <laughs> bud. Uh, that no thanks to the defense in front of you, young guys. <laughs> no, I, I again, I think that um, that formation doesn't lend itself well to to playing against a team like that. But uh, I, I think they wanted to trouble the back line a little bit. It just didn't quite work the way they anticipated. Uh, okay. We're going to take a break. Next week, uh, Joe, prepare. We're going to do our end-of-season awards. We'll have two more games under our belt that we can really dig into. We'll Ooh. also be able to give out the Worst Dancer on the Team Award. Uh, or maybe I'll wait until we get to the playoffs if we could talk to a couple more guys. But uh, that is absolutely coming soon. And, uh, yeah, some other, some other season wrap-up stuff ahead of uh, what should be a really fun playoff experience. All right, I'm I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> do you do you have an idea of of who some of your you know your candidates would be? Do you want to? Throw I do. Out? Well, no, never mind. I'm just gonna say, do you want to throw it out now? But we'll leave it. Okay. No, keep it keep it a secret for next week. Yeah, keep it close <laughs> to the best. Okay, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna be speaking to Jared Stroud. So stick around. And we're back. We are joined now, live on the road in Birmingham. It's Jared Stroud. Hello, Jared. Hey guys, how are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, huge week for you guys. Uh, two games that could potentially decide if you're playing at home or away to start the playoffs. Uh, a little bit shaky down the end of the season, you know. But I think that the group, at least, still seems pretty confident with. Um, the way that things should play out. I just want to get your take from the inside, uh, what that's been like over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously it was great to clinch playoffs so early. And, uh, I think we've, we've had a good season and yeah, last, last couple of weeks have been tough. And I think dropped a couple of points that, uh, you know, we didn't want to, and some of the games haven't gone our way. And, uh, obviously Rito having a horrible injury, which is terrible. So, uh, yeah, I mean it's been been t- tough, uh, you know, last couple of weeks. But I think overall as a season, I think you know it's been good, and uh, we've done a lot of good things. And I think we just have to kind of get back to being ourselves, and you know, take the momentum into the playoffs. And um, you know, it's going to start with this week um, having good, good two wins and get us off on a good note. 
Now, normally by the end of the year, you know, I, I guess over the last two seasons, really, um, the team really came on late. And so it's a little bit of a surprise that that things are stumbling now. What's what's the difference between the team last year at this time and this year at this time, uh, in your opinion? Um, I think some of it has to do with who we're playing. I mean, I think we've had some, some tougher games. And last year, I think at the end of the season, they were kind of must-wins. And I think sometimes that gives you a little bit more uh, motivation in general. Like, I know last year we were really fighting for it at the end. And maybe this year we're a little bit complacent, which is not a good thing. Um, just because we clinched playoffs so early. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was a bummer because we had first place online and stuff. But, I don't know, I think some of it's just been who we've been playing. And we've come against some tough, tough teams. And, like, obviously North Carolina played a different style than we thought they would. And Charleston at home, you know, should have got three points. Um, but... I don't think there's, there's a whole lot different than last year. I think, honestly, I think we're better this year. But I just think last year, just being in the must-win situation kind of um, almost gave us a little bit more of an incentive, uh, yeah, more incentives to win. But I think um, there's no reason why at the end of this year, you know, we can't finish out with two strong wins, two, you know, strong wins here and, and, and get a couple home playoff games and, and uh, do better than last year. So I think, yeah, recently not great, but at the end of the day, um, we still have a really, really big chance this week and next week and next few weeks to do something really special. So Now, I'm talking to John um, in the past. Yeah. When you're in situations like this, sometimes it's it's almost a good thing for a young team to kind of have to go through this type of, of adversity. Uh, do you, do you see that as a net positive for you guys uh, of having these struggles now instead of uh, in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's just good for us to to really figure out who our team's going to be as well because sometimes you don't know who the first team guys are coming down and and who's playing every week, so it's always different. But I think this is a good time for us to to find time to gel and. And yeah, sometimes these losses, you know, make you a stronger team and and make the wins a little bit sweeter. So, and I think some of these games have been a little bit playoff esque, and we've lost them. So maybe when these you know next two games in the playoffs come, maybe we're a little bit more mentally prepared rather than coming off a bunch of wins and then kind of tailing out in the off season like Cincinnati did last year. You know, a bunch of teams. I think it's all about just coming together strong at the last moment. Not necessarily the last ten games of the season, but I think if we can finish off the last two games really strong, and then you know playoffs are still you know, six five games, so it's a, it's a lot of games that you have to put a lot of results together. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think we're still in a really good position, basically. Now, for you, you've had uh, probably well, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it's 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 unfair to say that you've probably had one of the best seasons of any Red Bull two player in the history of the team. Um, and, you know, I think largely coming into the team last year, there wasn't much uh, hype around you. It was, it was really just kind of, you know, we'll see where this is going to take us and um, uh, what you have to offer. And now you're really being counted on as a key contributor to this side. Um, what has that been like for you in terms of what the expectations were like last year to this year? And, you know, the output sort of matching those expectations. Yeah, I think last year, 
Um, I think I still had a good season. I think it was just a little bit more adjusting to coming out of college and stuff and breaking into the team because I wasn't originally starting and, you know, it was tough in the beginning of the year and I think I got off to a slow start because of that and I wasn't, I didn't really come in and assert myself. It was more come in, have to win a position then midway through the year, almost consistently playing. And then finally at the end of the year, consistently playing. So it was a little bit difficult for me to, you know, string, you know, back-to-back games in and, and first team guys would come down and I would get bumped out, which I was always super disappointed and stuff. Um, so I think this year has just been a little bit more consistent for me in terms of playing time. Um, and I think in terms of my game, obviously John's helped me a lot and Zebra and, and the whole coaching staff and, and off season, I, I put in a lot of work and I just felt like coming into the season, I was super ready. And I think in first team preseason, I think I did super well. And that just gave me a lot more confidence to just go in and, and kind of crush this year. Um, and yeah, I think I, this year I kind of added a new dimension of scoring goals. And I think that's obviously, you know, honestly what a lot of people care about. So yeah. I think I've added, added a little bit more to my game. Whereas last year, I think I only had seven or so goals and I was kind of missing opportunities, not running through the box fully. <laughs> that's you know, what just, I, yeah. I was going to ask about that. You know, you mentioned yeah. before that, uh, we had a good podcast. I was wondering if you had heard me <laughs> numerous times talk about make the run, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I might have heard of one on one of them, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, I think, I don't know, like last year, just, I think when you're a rookie, it's, you're a little timid, you know, and I yeah. think this year, just don't, you know, don't feel that, don't feel nerves, don't feel, you know, that sort of pressure. And, and hopefully if I, if I get a chance at the MLS level, just, you know, take the same ideas right to the MLS level you know, at the start, which is something that maybe I regret about my USL experience last year. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think I, I was, you know, not as dynamic last year where I was always kind of looking for the pass. I think this year it's kind of like just get into the box and, you know, create havoc Yeah. and, you know, make, you know, finish off plays and believe you can score. And I think that just gives you a, an, an extra little, little boost. And this year I think it's helped me. Well, I also think, you know, the nature of, of what you were talking about before about, you know, not sure if you're going to start from week to week and kind of having to make the most of your opportunities when you do get out there, it sort of lends itself to play a little bit safer because you feel like if you make big mistakes, uh, the opportunities aren't going to continue to come. But then at the same time, Mm -hmm. you weigh that against uh, not necessarily uh, making those big plays. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, and 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 when you're playing timid like that, or you're playing nervous, I think it just it just hinders your game, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I mean this year it's just been I felt a little bit less pressure as to you know have to be perfect and more of just help the team and and play your game and it'll work out basically. So on a couple occasions when I've gone to see the team this year. You know, there were many times where I was thinking, oh, Jared's in the stands. What's going on? Uh, No, it's the numerous Stroud brothers and family that Mm -hmm. are in the stands on a regular basis. Is it is it fun for you to play in front of them? It seems like there's a a fair amount of like playfulness or competitiveness amongst you all. Yeah, yeah. no, it definitely adds another dimension having them in my home games. Obviously, they've been there. My whole life, I got my three brothers and and my and my parents, and you know I, I've always had friends come to the game and stuff too. So 
I'm always bothering Scott, our team guy, for like 15 <laughs> to 20 tickets a game. But yeah, no, definitely, definitely adds a, a huge bonus for me playing at home. And I think it gives me a bump just because I've got that support system and stuff. And I think you see it even with the first team guys, like, you know, Brian and stuff, where just having that, having your family around and stuff is just helpful because, you know, they've been there and they support you and stuff. So, yeah, it's always fun, and and <laughs> I, I always see my older brother is like basically my agent. He's always you know giving me stick for not scoring and stuff, and he keeps the pressure on me. So yeah, there's definitely a lot it's of good. that. There's so much banter happening. It's it's usually very funny. I love when they're sitting in front of me for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're always talking. They love to talk smack and stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I hear it all. So have you been, have you been more involved with first team? Is that something that uh, you've been having conversations around or is that really something that you can't focus on right now because of the season and sort of the nature of the position of the team? Yeah. I mean, I've definitely been in with the first team this year, just in general, a lot more than last year. And, and yeah, maybe a little bit more this tail end of the season. Obviously they want to take a look at me and, you know, make a decision on me, which is which is good, you know, because, you know, I'm excited for the decision. And, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Like, obviously, I'm just going to do my best the rest of the season, and it'll all kind of, you know, play out. So I kind of know how it works just like last year. And, you know, we'll just see what happens. But, you know, either way, no regrets. going to just play out this year as hard as I can. And, just see what happens. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, obviously, I really have a, lot, a ton of respect for the first team coaches and the whole staff at Rebels. So, you know, we'll yeah. see. Have Have you had conversations with guys like Brian or Tom about, uh, you know, what this process is like when you're kind of sitting on the bubble and waiting for news? Um, no, not really, because you know, I don't know. They kind of just got bumped up mid year, and it was. I don't know, it was a little bit different in their, their situation, whereas I'm kind of coming up on a two-year you know, time period here. And um, I think, I don't know, I think the club just kind of understands how it works. And, you know, you just basically wait and see what happens. And, you know, they either give you yes or no, and then just kind of go on with it. But, yeah, I mean, um I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I guess, you know, we just find out after the season. So I think the most important thing is just focusing on this year. And, you know, if I get into first team training, just do my best and, you know, just finish out this year strong. And, you know, either way, I'd, you know, I'm playing USL for the end of this year, no matter what, with Rebel too. So I'm going to focus on winning a USL Cup because I think it would just be special in general for the guys on the team and, you know, as an experience as a professional player and, I just think it would be a great thing for everyone in terms of, you know, your career and in terms of the memories you make on the field. So I'm just going to basically focus on that and see what happens. Well, I think most of the people that listen to the show and definitely a lot of the people that come to watch Red Bull 2 are hoping uh, for both of those things, for you to continue to have success and find your way into the first team and to win a USL Cup. So we'll we'll definitely be keeping an eye on uh, all of that in the coming weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before I let you go, uh, can I... Uh, put you through sort of the enhanced lightning round. Yeah, let's go. Okay. <laughs> what is the title of your autobiography? Ah, uh, that's a good question. 
Um, probably just one of four boys. <laughs> okay, fair. Um, if you could take credit for any piece of art, if it's a song, film, a painting, a book, what would it be? Probably just a nice Picasso because I think they're sick. All right. Uh, I think that's a good answer. Anything with that. I yeah. think you're the only one to answer a painting so far, so I, I think you deserve plaudits for that. <laughs> you're on death row. What is your final meal? Final meal? Chinese food. Wow, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I but, love Chinese. But Don't what specifically? Like, if, you, if you had to order from the menu right now, what is it oh, you're ordering? General Tao's. Yeah. Vegetable, or yeah, lo mein. That's all. Lo mein and... Uh, and chicken, yeah, fried rice for sure. <laughs> um, have you ever successfully finished a game of Monopoly? You've got four brothers. I feel like there's no way you could have. No, no way. <laughs> That's a terrible I honestly tip. don't think I've played Monopoly in years. <laughs> fair. And, but Scrabble, Scrabble, yeah. Oh, all right, fair. All fair. Uh, this is the big one now. And you are in the running for this. So I guess if you wanted to name yourself, you could. Uh, if it's yeah, really just no about uh, hardware, but who is the worst dancer on the New York Red Bulls? Evan Laura. Evan, Evan Laura and and Lemma as well. Oh, okay. I'm gonna so I'm gonna put them both down, but I'm gonna I think wait it for uh, Chris Lemma as well because he mm-hmm. is now tied atop the leaderboard. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm probably not. I'm probably down there for sure, but. I'm not going to be last. I mean, come on, man. It's got to be one more, Evan. There you go. All right. I'm going to give it to Chris for now. I'll also pencil in uh, Evan. Well, Jared, thank you so much for talking to us. We wish you nothing but the best of luck uh, tomorrow, this weekend, and beyond. Awesome. Thank you, Andy. I really appreciate your guys' podcast, and, uh, and thank you. Appreciate it. And when we come back, we'll be previewing the matches against Birmingham and against... Uh, Loudon United to end the season. So stick around. And we're back. Finishing up this episode with two previews. Birmingham Legion FC and Loudon United FC. There is a real... DC presence around both of these matches, <laughs> and we will get to why. Starting with Birmingham Legion, Tom Sowen is their head coach, former coach of DC United. Uh, during one of, I think, their worst eras, they were they were okay. They were obnoxiously good at times with Luciano Emilio and uh, Christian Gomez. I guess that there's not overlap there, but whatever. Um, Birmingham is clinging to that last playoff spot. They're still tied with Charleston. They are 11, 14 and 7 overall. Really not bad. And 6, 6 and 3 at home, 5, 8 and 4 away. They have a one game losing streak. That's not a streak. USL. <laughs> Their last 5, they are 1, 3 and 1, so they are not finishing strong like a certain other team that we know. This is a replay of a match where Tom Barlow scored a goal, uh, but the match was called early to sort of uh, uh, take care of um, weather concerns. There was lightning in the area. And now we are finally making it up so many months later. Birmingham, their lead scorer, J.J. Williams, he's got seven goals. Right underneath him, Prosper Kasim with six. Brian Wright with five. Chandler Hoffman and Daniel Johnson with four. 
Mikey Lopez with three, Matteo Laurent with two, Edward Apoku, and Kyle Culbertson with one apiece. The assist leader, Anderson Esaidu with five, Dago Kobayashi, former New England Revolution, four, Akeem Ward, Brian Wright, Eric Avila, all with four, Kyle Culbertson, three assists, Razak Cromwell, Mikey Lopez, and Prosper Kasim with one apiece. They uh, create a lot of chances through Prosper Kasim, even though he hasn't necessarily finished, or they haven't finished a lot of the chances that he's created. And uh, he's also the one taking the most shots, but not necessarily uh, a great shots. I look, he's got six goals on the year. That's fine. Uh, Matt Van Okel has largely been a net for them. Former uh, Salt Lake product. He's been doing well. 73 saves on the year. They've got 11 clean sheets in the book. Uh, the team, for the most part, they like to play with the ball. They like to uh, uh, possess and, and try to cause problems with that possession. However, they're a little bit susceptible to the counter because of that. They struggle marking players, especially when there's crosses on the ground. One of my favorite things to talk about with the Red Bulls, too, who have not been uh, doing that much of late for some reason. But that is the way that you trouble this team. We know that the Red Bulls, too, can get on top of them. They've done it already once this year. But I'm wondering what you think we're going to see play out in this game. Well, the one thing I've I've noticed with Birmingham at home this year is they really don't score a lot and they don't give up a lot. Um, they did. They do have wins against Indy and I believe North Carolina uh, at home, which are two impressive teams to get wins against. Uh, the Indy one being more recent, obviously, than the North Carolina one. But you did mention it. They have struggled in their last five games. You know, a bad loss to Hartford uh, last weekend, a bad loss to Swope Park a couple weekends before that. And they've only scored one goal in their last three games. So this is a game where, look, Tom Barlow scored early on. Unfortunately, the game was called. But Red Bulls, too, seemed to be in command of the game uh, when they went there earlier in the season. Unfortunately, when it was rained out. So this is something that they're going to have to get on top of them right away. And they're going to have to get off to a good start. We talked about the finishing in a North Carolina game. It's going to have to be much better in this game. But, again, this is a team that's fighting for a playoff spot, so I'm, I expect a hard-fought game in this uh, in this one because they're barely hanging on to this spot. Charleston is breathing down their necks. Uh, they're even with them on points, and they know they can't afford to uh, drop any points. So uh, just to, to talk about what they've been like over the last couple of weeks, Birmingham makes no sense at all. <laughs> okay? They lost to Nashville one nothing. Okay, that makes sense. Nashville's above them, right? But they beat Indy 11 one nothing. Okay, that makes less sense for me. It was only three days later, so nice turnaround. They did a good job. Uh, then they turned that result. Ten days later, they face Swope Park Rangers and lose 3-1 to one to Swope Park. <laughs> they drew 0-0 against Charleston in a you know fight for the playoff lives for both those guys. And then their last match, they lost 4 nothing to Hartford Athletic. <laughs> for nothing to Hartford Athletic. What in the world? Now, all of those goals come in the second half, and two of them kind of come in like garbage time after the 80th minute. Uh, so maybe, you know, they're pressing for an equalizer and they get caught. But this team is is really, they're a head-scratcher at times, and you're really not necessarily sure what you're going to get from them. 
I think that this is going to be a, a well-fought match between the two. I think the Red Bulls really need to get a big result here. They should be fired up uh, after how it's gone for them lately, and I'm expecting them to get a win. I want to know, what's your score prediction, Joe? Uh, they desperately need this win. Um, I think they're going to get it. And it's going to be a close game, though. I'm going to say 2-1 Red Bulls, too. Okay. I'm going to say... Hmm, they lost 4 nothing to Hartford. I'm going to call this a 2 nothing win. Uh, maybe it's optimistic, but they really, really need to get a win. Yes, they lost to Hartford on the road, but come on, guys. you gotta, you got to take care of Hartford. <laughs> then we're going to follow that up with literal connections to D.C. United with Loudon. They beat the Red Bulls 2 earlier this season, and... Uh, I think that was like one of those games where we were all just kind of taken aback with how poorly it went. Overall, 10, 17, and 6. They are 6, 7, and 3 at home. It sounds like, you know, not so great, but they have three wins in their last five. They're 3, 2, and 0. Oh. In that time, uh, I should have brought up the schedule while I'm, I, it's, I had such a nice flow going. They beat, they beat Charleston, St. Louis, and Tampa Bay. Charleston, St. Louis, and Tampa Bay. All teams that are going to the playoffs. Loudon is staying home. They beat them all. Uh, kind of remarkable, but it kind of speaks to their ability to play the spoiler role. They will determine if the Red Bulls have a home playoff game, essentially, if, they, if the Red Bulls take care of business at Birmingham. The question, though, remains, are we going to see heavy rotation? Uh, obviously, the games are only a couple days apart. What lineups could we be looking at? Who's going to be an attack? Who's going to be scoring goals? There's a lot of big questions for the Red Bulls, too, that we will have to get to. First, goal leaders for um, Loudoun United, Kyle Murphy, 11 goals, 28 appearances. Gordon Wild, 9. Alun Nindor with 4, as well as Antonio Bustamante with 4. Elvis Amo, Griffin Yao, and Orlando Sinclair with 3 goals. Christian Sordo, Andrew Luban, and Connor Presley with two goals apiece. Assists coming from Antonio Bustamante. He's got four on the season. Gordon Wild, Connor Presley, and Kyle Murphy each have three. Hunter Gorski, Chris Odiatsum, uh, Christian Sordo, Nelson Martinez, and Piabu Due have two. And Kevin Paredes has one. Look, Loudon goes as Kyle Murphy goes. And if you can shut down Kyle Murphy, there's a good chance that you're not going to be facing much other difficulty. So much of their attack is predicated on his ability to get those goals for this team. Antonio Bustamante is creating lots of chances and uh, doing well, but it's all going to come down to how well the Red Bulls are able to, to minimize the impact of Kyle Murphy. I the the defense and the way that they've played this year it's it's a little bit troubling and the last time they played we know that a big part of where the red bulls struggled was on set pieces they gave up so many chances on yep. set pieces mm-hmm. and, but they did create a lot of good opportunities on the counter matthias jorgensen had his first goal of the season in this game he probably could have had another if tom barlow sent him the ball uh they just absolutely dominated this one they were up st- 62 to 38 in possession. Um, they outpassed them by almost 200 passes, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. 
Loudon mostly spent that game playing long balls, though. So, uh, you know, you got to understand that. Outshot them 19 to 15 and 7 to 5. But so many of those chances for Loudon, again, came on set pieces. That's been a struggle for this team in the past. They have to make sure that they play this one cleanly. They need to get result, uh, revenge for the result earlier in the year. And I think it's going to be tough on a short week in a tough place to play against a team that is motivated to get results against teams higher up in the table. Yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, I believe in the first game that they met to, uh, they, Red Bull 2 created a lot of chances and they were denied by some great saves. And again, lack of finishing. I believe they had a rotated squad in that game too. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if they can get some revenge for the defeat. Because uh, I believe they had one. I think they were unbeaten in like five or six games before that loss allowed earlier in the season. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can if they can get you know revenge and you know if they get a win again if they get a win on Wednesday. You know, it's it's huge for them momentum wise. And again, to get a win against a team that's not in the playoff race, but has beaten, you know, has gotten great results in their last three games against play- teams in the playoffs and against a I would consider Latin a rival team. Um, I think this is this is probably uh, this game should be looked at more than the Birmingham game. I think. Uh, Loudon is a team that can cause them problems. Again, you mentioned the set pieces. It's been a consistent problem for this team all year. Uh, they, they've they been up and down with it. Sometimes some games they look good, and then some games they look really, really bad. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting game. I think Red Bulls, too, will dominate a lot of the possession, much like the first game, and they will have to take their chances. Yep, fully agree. Give me a score. What do you think this is going to be? Oh, um. Uh, I'm gonna say they Red Bulls two win this game three two in a very close game. Jared Stroud with the winner late on. I'm gonna say I'm gonna be a little bit pessimistic on this. I think it's gonna be a draw. I'm gonna say two two. I think they're gonna get a big win in the midweek, set themselves up nicely to climb further up the table, uh, but fall short, end up in fourth place, and uh, we'll go from there. I guess. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's look around the league. We basically have almost final standings now. Pittsburgh not exactly locking up the top spot, but they're darn close. All they have left is a match against Birmingham. It is in Birmingham, but given how they've played over the last month or so, I can't imagine this is going to be a struggle. So expect them to finish number one. Nashville uh, is pretty much guaranteed to finish number two at this point or number one. So that'll be interesting. They've only got Atlanta United too. Pittsburgh with the tougher game, but uh, it's still interesting. Indy 11. I mean, they're ahead of the New York Red Bulls right now, but they had a golden opportunity to finish top of the table. They have struggled immensely down the stretch. Now, some of that is, is just playing that many games in a row, but they finish up at Swope Park likely to end in third, but who knows? So Bark uh, surprising some teams down the stretch as well. Tampa Bay finishing at Hartford. They're on 58 points. All of these teams have a game in hand on the Red Bulls, who are on 57 points right now. We know their two matches to come up. Louisville, they finish at Memphis, who is still not fully eliminated from the playoff hunt. If Birmingham <laughs> picks up any points this week, they're fine. They will finally be out. Uh, but it's really interesting what's happening down there. North Carolina at St. Louis. Um, 
pretty much they're guaranteed to finish i think seventh well i guess they could drop further down but um, they will be no higher than seventh ottawa fury come on usl site expand finishing at charlotte st louis who is just awful over the last month but able to beat the red bulls uh, <laughs> they <laughs> Uh, finish up against uh, North Carolina, as I've just said. Um, and then Birmingham, their two matches are against the Red Bulls and Pittsburgh. Really interesting stuff there. The only other team still alive in the playoff hunt is Charleston. They are on level terms in games played with Birmingham, and they finish up against Memphis and Bethlehem Steel. It would be amazing if Memphis won both of these matches. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Charleston and Birmingham didn't win anything, and somehow they snuck through. Would be quite a story. I think it's still difficult for them. They're not fully uh, eliminated. Let's see. What's their goal differential? Oh, Birmingham's goal differential is awful. It's negative 16. Memphis so, is minus 12, so they're, they're right there. Charleston is the team that I think that could uh, potentially catch them, but... Uh, if Memphis win both their their matches, they will have more wins and then would sneak in. That keep your eyes on that, guys. That would be so fun. <laughs> now Memphis lost their last two matches, two to one against Charlotte and three nothing against Indy. So, well, don't forget. I mean, if Birmingham and Charleston both win, St. Louis is now drops down to eleventh. Yes, so. but uh, you're right. You're right. It could be St. Louis that's out. Interesting. Out west, Phoenix Rising, atrocious. Since September 21st, they've <laughs> they've lost twice. They've drawn once. They've only won one match. It was against the Portland Timbers, too, who are not in playoff position anymore. Uh, but they're the last team who has not yet been officially eliminated. What's going on out there? They just give up because they secured the shield and the uh, the regular season title and um, home field through the playoffs? Uh, they just haven't played well. I mean, I mean, well, can't say they haven't played well because they dominated the game against the Monarchs. And, uh, I mean, you know, they give away a penalty, you know, in the second half and then they allow a goal late. Um, you know, they, they haven't, they haven't played their best, but I mean, I still think, um, I mean, they're obviously the best team in the West by a large margin. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of scaled back a little bit. I mean, I love them going forward, but I kind of want to see them against like a Bob Lilly team, maybe. See, I've see been saying they, this all year. You have um, to see. I want to see if they're they're how great they are going forward can break down one of the very tough. I mean, well, to be fair, in my defense, but I didn't expect Pittsburgh to completely climb over everybody and go to first place. The top four teams currently in the East are all teams that have very good defenses. So if any of those four make the final, it would definitely make some interesting uh, opponents for Phoenix, should they make it. I'm expecting them to drop out. I bet they don't even get past the second round of the playoffs. I want to see a Phoenix Rising Red Bull 2 final. I just want to see a lot of goals. That would be fun. That would be a blast, especially with Junior Flemings and Jose Aguinaga coming back. Yes. Uh, I'm going to do the West a little bit different. I'm not going to talk about the teams that have already qualified. I just want to take a look at the teams that are at the bottom and what this could mean and who they're playing. The Portland Timbers 2, Las Vegas Lights, and New Mexico United are all under um, the playoff line right now. New Mexico has Tacoma and Las Vegas left to play. Obviously, that's the only game that uh, Las Vegas has is against New Mexico. They're 
they're basically out at this point, uh, Las Vegas, because they need to win both of their matches, or they have to win their match. And if San Antonio gets any points, they're out. Um, same thing with Portland Timbers, too. They have to go perfect and hope that San Antonio drops points. San Antonio has a single game remaining against the Colorado Spring Switchbacks, the worst Which team they- in the yeah. West. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not looking good for any of the teams below the line right now, except for maybe New Mexico, who has an okay chance. Um, they beat the lights and they can kind of force their way in there. But again, San Antonio is playing the worst team um, in the can West. I just, so. Can I just point out that Tacoma Defiance has given up 80 goals this year and they're not the worst team in the West? That is crazy. 80 <laughs> goals. Jesus. Um, to put that in perspective, Red Bulls 2 scored 70 this year. That's so, ridiculous. And, and Phoenix Rising has scored 86. Yeah. So, um, LA. Their last match against El Paso Locomotive. El Paso has two, one against Portland, one against LA, as we mentioned. Uh, and Austin Bold. Again, these teams are all very likely to make it. They just haven't um, uh, fully made it. Oh, man. The USL page is the worst. It always breaks on me. I'm not even going to bother saying who they're going to play. But those are the ones to look at in the West. Um my money is on San Antonio making it. I don't think New Mexico does. I think they did really well in their first season. They were in second place for a little while there. I mean, New Mexico plays Sounders uh, or Tacoma Defiance. So yeah, no, no. That, I think that they have a good chance, but um, LA Galaxy and I think uh, San Antonio win. Then it, it's kind of well. Galaxy plays El, Pal- uh, El Paso Locomotive for their final game of the year. Yeah. So. That's it's not an well, easy game. Fair, fair. And they would be tied not- on games one. Galaxy would drop because of goal differential if things stay the same. All right. Okay. I could be sold on that. I mean, I think New Mexico finishes. They finished with both two home games to finish the season. So that kind of, that's kind of a, that's something that could work in their favor too. Cause they've been pretty good at home this year. Yeah. That would be a fun one. Um, okay. I think that's it for us. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at underscore Joe Goldstein. I am at Jaystein15. And if you'd like to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. And of course, that's on Twitter. You can also follow our work at the Red Bulls News Network, rbnn.us, or RB News Network on Twitter. I believe it's the same uh, on Instagram, which we're starting to do a lot of stuff with. Definitely check that out. A lot of stories and uh, Academy stuff there future raising bulls guests appearing on our instagram <laughs> um and of course you can find us at facebook.com slash raising bulls you can go to raising bulls.com where we post all of our episodes you can even send us questions to questions at raising bulls.com we haven't gotten one in a long while but you could still send us questions there and i did check today just in case you were wondering. <laughs> uh, we're on itunes stitcher google play spotify all of these places where you find your podcast find us rate us review us it helps with the algorithms and we would really appreciate it we're part of the beautiful game network at bgn.fm covering mls usl premier league nwsl they've got a ton of great shows uh th- these are just the usl ones i've been doing this all year uh let's go with play the kids 1868 weekly down in the valley old glory red report st louis soccer report texas soccer radio the unused substitute tornado alley and so much more ton of great podcasts ton of great written stuff 
go there. They got a lot of a lot of good things going on there. Uh, I started a new podcast. Uh, the second episode went live uh, last Monday. I think that's true. Um, you could find it at anchor.fm slash boomerang music, but I'm also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's me talking to uh, other musicians and just having you know good conversations, lots of people, all different walks of life, all different kinds of music, uh, and you get to hear from them and then uh, hear one of their tracks afterwards. And again, that's boomerang music. You can find it in pretty much all the places where you get podcasts, although I don't think it's on Stitcher. I might have to do that manually. Uh, and last but not least, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself, for Mr. Joe Steen, and Jared Stroud, thank you very much and have a great night. <laughs>